0: real conversations and some hard truths. Gangs, Gangs, drugs, drugs, and guns. guns. Giving a voice to those willing to sacrifice. We have stories that need to be told. We have lessons that need to be taught. Protect and serve. Welcome to The Quiet Professional. Hey, welcome back everyone. Nathan Romus with you again. And today we've got Sergeant Eric McCants of the Burke County Sheriff's Office From the state of Georgia. Eric started his policing career with the Waynesboro Police Department. He eventually transitioned to being a campus police officer for Payne College, as well as a school resource officer at Richmond County Board of Education. During this time in his professional career, he obtained his Bachelor of Science in Criminal Justice Administration and his Master of Science in Administration of Justice and Security. He also became a fifth degree black belt in American karate and uh, hopefully I'm saying this, gunkai. And uh, he professionally, he then moved to the field operations, uh, to being a field operations deputy at the Burke County Sheriff's Office. Since then, he's worked in areas uh, such as special operations deputy uh, with the SWAT team. He's been a sergeant within field operations division and is currently a narcotics investigative sergeant and uh, still finds time to be married as a wife and five children. So, busy guy. Welcome, Eric.
1: Hey, how you doing, sir?
0: Uh, One thing I I did want to mention, too, right off the bat is, uh, and at the end, I'll give you a chance to kind of plug where people can follow you on social media and stuff, but um, people got to see your motivational videos because I see you just crushing the bench press and you're out there running.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I got to work out because you never know where you got to go hands-on. But uh, <laughs> like, people always talk about me lifting weights. And that stuff. But fun fact, a couple of guys I work with were like two or three times stronger than me. So I got to keep in decent shape and then running you know, as part of the job in law enforcement. Uh, it's never been my biggest cup of tea. I can do sprints, but like a long distance. It's not something I like doing, but I've worked over it over the years, basically.
0: Well, if I can ask, like how big are you? Like how tall and wh- how much you weigh?
1: Uh, currently, I am six one, about two ninety. Jeez, uh,
0: who's fighting with you? Oh
1: <laughs> uh, man, I got uh, I got two partners. Like one partner, he doesn't work in law enforcement. My other partner that does work in law enforcement, name that does narcotics. Uh, he's about the same size as me. Uh, he's about six one, about two eighty. But like I say, he got a little bit more strength than I do. And I got another partner that's like six five, three hundred thirty, and he just has unhuman strength. So he's just one of those big boys like that.
0: So you guys don't even use rams. You just push doors in.
1: No. Nah, man, we, uh, we ran into a, a door. A couple of, uh, of our narcotics guys did, man. We did a search one on the house. You know, most houses don't have a house reinforced. And I, said, I normally run the ram for the team. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I hit that door for almost a minute, man. That door beat me down. <laughs> it literally beat me back. But, uh, what happened was when we got to the other side of it, they had metal rods attached to the frame of the door and they slid poles behind them. So when the doors were in force at the top and the bottom mm-hmm. and yeah, man, that, that door, man, it didn't have no give to it. And I mean, I was going for it. So yeah, that, it would me up, but like I said, most people don't do that nowadays. Some, some people do have like mechanical uh, things, for yeah. doors, stuff like that. But yeah, that, that, me and that Ram, man, we, we, we fought that door. That door won that day.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? We're going to get into that for sure. Um, but let's start kind of at the beginning, and um, can you talk a little bit about you, where you grew up, uh, and kind of your life trajectory?
1: Oh, yes. Uh, actually, I grew up in Augusta, Georgia, which is the area I stay in now. Um, grew up with my mother, and she had three kids. I'm the youngest of three. I have an older brother and an older sister. Uh, I started off in a private school, which was a living World Christian center, which was the church I was going to. Went there already through my second grade. Uh, then once. The school closed down I went to private and public school It started at Meadowbrook uh, It was a little change for me because, like I said private school You had a little bit more structure Like I said They powdered you It was only a little bit more We wasn't exposed To a lot of things Being in private school mm. So when I got to Public school It was a little different uh, I got a little trouble For like my third Through eighth grades. just a change for me Like I said I enjoy, Like I am I enjoy having fun Laughing all that stuff And my teachers Didn't really Think too kindly to that So I got in trouble Quite a few times, a couple of fights here and there, stuff like that. But eventually I grew up, uh, ended up going to high school. Uh, and during those years, my early years, I ended up playing uh, string instruments. My mother always has in, uh, music. I started off on the violin. I went to middle school, ended up playing the trumpet, and I played the baritone. Did that for my freshman year of high school, and then uh, fell in love with sports. Um, the first sport I started playing was wrestling. I enjoyed wrestling. I stayed at 189, which is my weight class. Uh, I wrestled, played football. And I did soccer and uh, track to stay in shape. Um, as far as college, uh, I went off to school uh, for business management. Like I said, I was taking martial arts by then. I was about in my fourth or fifth year with my cousin, who was my instructor. Uh, he's a eighth-degree black belt. Mm-hmm. And then my uncle, who was his teacher, uh, he's a tenth-degree black belt. And we took those Chicago karate, and then we blended the style together to create Gunkai. But anyway, the plan was for me to go to school. Get the business management part of it so I can help run the business part of it, pay the bills, make sure the lights are going, make sure everything's needed in school that runs properly. Well, I was 17 when I graduated and went to uh, college. A little too much for me. I party a little bit too much and, like, going to class. Got a couple of refund checks, spent that on the wrong stuff. End up having to get kicked out of school. Uh, started working at a local grocery store, which is called Kroger, which is closed now, but uh, I was working there. Uh, we have uh, special security up there, which is officers. They did it on a private time. Um, just happened to be nosy one day because my mother was bothering me about getting back at school or telling me I need to find something new in my life. Uh, and the officer was talking to another person about going to the police academy. So I kind of overheard and my mother was literally sending me text messages talking like, you need to find something new. Let me know what you're going to do by as far as school or something. Then I wanted to talk to the police officer guy. He told me I join the police academy. Uh, I ended up joining it. In a fall in love with it and I've been doing it ever since
0: so uh, if we kind of go back a bit into the childhood too mm-hmm. did you have any family uh, any family in policing that kind of guided you into this at all or is it literally your first kind of interaction with police would have been when you talked to that recruiter or that police officer
1: well I had an uncle who was in law enforcement uh, he did it in the city of I in mean, now but he did it before I was born um he was out of it before I was born also. But uh, one of my best friends, I was uh, best friends in high school is Father Ronnie Moore. Uh he was an all law enforcement officer. I dealt with him a lot. Uh, he just helped me uh during my school ages and uh as far as lifting weights. But like I say, he still lift weights now. He's about 54, 65, and he's still lifting major weights. <laughs> but uh he was a law enforcement officer then. But like I said, it was never on my radar like that. Uh like I say it it really just popped up, like I say when I was teaching my officer at the uh, grocery store and got talking to them about that. So it wasn't nothing I planned on doing. It just kind of fell into my lap. I ended up loving it.
0: Did your uh, family say anything about police when you said you wanted to go into it? Did they kind of have a positive or negative view of it?
1: Oh, my, mom didn't care. my mother told me, she said, just make sure you're going to stick with it. Uh, like I said, at the time, the police got me get to buy your own equipment. Uh, like you say, your badge, your gun. Well, not your gun, your... Uh, brass, your uh, boots, and all the stuff you wore during the academy so you had to buy the stuff and like I didn't have that much money there so she forked out the money for it. She said just make sure mm-hmm. if you're going to do this you stick with it. So like I said, besides that my brother and sister didn't care like, and like my grandfather was fine with it.
0: They always told me just make sure I'll be careful and do what I need to do to make sure I do the job correctly. Well and part of the reason I ask is just obviously with a, a lot of the narratives out there right now with police but did uh, what what's the perception I guess of police in Georgia, they generally have a good relationship with the community, or is it like you might see in Seattle?
1: Well, for the most part in Georgia, like I said, we have good, uh, good relationship with the community. Uh, most of them appreciate us, but like I said, you always gonna have those couples that don't like law enforcement just for one reason or another. Um, that's just gonna be anywhere, but we don't have those major problems, especially in the county I work for. A, I say I work for a rural county, It's about twenty thousand people, but eight hundred thirty five square miles, so. Uh, they really enjoy law enforcement out there. Like I okay, said, we just have that rapport with our community. So, mm-hmm. some of the other major cities that have those problems with the community and law enforcement, we just don't see that around there. Uh, while you don't have a couple of people that just don't like law enforcement, just for one reason or another, we don't really face those issues uh, currently in the uh, county that I work for.
0: Yeah. And well, and did you guys have any sort of uh, while well, the the Black Lives Matter protests or riots, depending what people want to call it, but did you have anything? Uh, of that nature when all this was going on?
1: No, sir, we didn't, we didn't have any of those effects in, in the county at. map. They didn't touch nowhere near where we were at.
0: Um, can you kind of maybe walk us through a little bit about, because uh, you're talking about the police academy. So is that the actual academy to get into policing or is it like a a, a program before, maybe it's like a stepping stone?
1: No, it's, it's the program, right? the police academy. Uh, it's kind of a local uh, college, I uh, guess a technical college. And the way they do it is you go 18 weeks and while you're getting your certification become a law enforcement officer, you also get college credit. Uh, my current sheriff was actually the head instructor when I went through the academy and that's how we became such close friends. Uh, you go through everything. Then you go through your uh, taser, your OC spray, learning your case law, firearms, or driving and all that stuff. And you go through all that through the academy. Once you pass, you can go through any agency in Georgia and apply to become a law enforcement officer. But some some agencies make you go through their academy just because, like, you're going to become a state trooper or, or go to GBI or a place like that. You had to go through their academies also. But you wouldn't have to go through the basic law enforcement thing. But basically, once you finish with that certification, you can go to any agency, you know, police department or sheriff's department, anything like that, and you can become a police officer right then. And like I say, you just go through your
0: core work at that uh, academy that I went through. And you had to pay your way through it or at least buy the equipment? Yeah, so basically, uh, we had to buy shirts, pants,
1: and we had a uh, uniform we had to wear. Uh, we had to have our own gun belt uh, and the stuff that goes on your gun belt, you know, your uh, radio holster, mm-hmm. your uh, gun holster, things like that, belt keepers and stuff like that. And you pay for that part. But what was a good part about that going through that academy was that uh, in Georgia, we have a scholarship called the Hope Scholarship. If your grades are good enough, they'll pay for it. So basically, that part was paid for me. Like I'd actually had pay for the actual class. I just had to pay for my equipment while I went through. Okay. So it, it, that's how it goes. But some people pay out of pocket. Like if you went through the other academies, if your agency is not sponsor, you pay for you, uh, you had to pay for it out of pocket yourself.
0: Okay. It sounds similar to some parts of Canada. Like some of them, uh, each, you know, a specific agency will run their own training. And if you want to go there, you do that. Some other places have like the province, be like the state equivalent, right? They got the, uh, a Justice Institute. So you go to that specific school and then you would apply to, um, police services in the area. And I think they reimburse some part of it. Like you go kind of go to the school and then if you are successful getting on, uh, with a service, if you stay like past probation or something, uh, I believe you can get some money back or maybe all of it, but it's kind of uh, neat how all the different areas, uh, kind of run these programs, but it's very similar between Canada and the U.S.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's like some agency. If they sponsor you, they'll make you sign basically like a contract that you're going to do like one or two years at the agency. Because, you know, they sponsor you through an academy just to get, in like, fact, make sure they get, not because they get their money's worth out, but, you know, because mm. they're putting you through it and paying your way through it, they have some kind of, you know, food coming from what they paid for.
0: So when you were getting into policing, uh, at the beginning of it all, did you kind of have like any idea of, you know, maybe what your career might look like and has it sort of turned out that way or, or have you managed to change things at all?
1: Well, I really, I didn't have any plan. Like I, said, I didn't know much about law enforcement. Uh, I say basically all thought law enforcement was, was people that just answer calls and, you know, went up down the street and get traffic stops. So when I first got into law enforcement, um, uh, I sheriff with my, uh, Instructor in the police academy, he left halfway through because he became a chief of police down there in a city called Waynesboro. Uh, During the academy, he uh, offered me a job down there, and that was my first job offer. So I was like, I just took it. And I say, it helped train me up. But uh, basically, I started off in what we called a housing division, which is a specialized division. And basically, you go through all the housing areas in the city that we police and make sure you you take care of the crime there. And they had a kind of issue there with people then that they just didn't have any too much respect for the police. They were having uh, a lot of break-ins A lot of thefts, A lot of fights in these areas So basically what He told me and My partner was Hey do What you need to do To get this place under control mm. So We did what we need to do to Get it under control We arrested the people We needed to We gave people tickets We did what we need to do To get the area under control But me being 20 He was like Okay well You got this place under control You don't have to be So heavy handed With your approach Like you gotta back off <laughs> And kind of let people Police themselves Because the thing is We want voluntary compliance To laws and rules well, I was still young. I was like, no, we still got to go full force. So I was one of those people that liked car chases. I liked running after people. I like all that stuff. So I liked the excitement part of it. I didn't learn, like I said, the patient part until a little bit later on. So that was kind of hard for me. So he kept telling me, like, okay, man, I need to calm down. I said, it's not like that anymore. And I say other things led to me, being help, him telling me to resign from that job. So it was a learning thing. Like I said, all I knew was just the housing thing, just the car chases, work with people that were drugs and stuff like that. So I never knew all the other parts that come in law enforcement, like writing good reports, or like I say, just being a community person. So you build a relationship with people because when other clients happen, you got to have the community to depend on so you can solve them. So it was one of those things I learned for that first year and a half. And then I ended up having to resign. I was getting in a little trouble. So just a growing process for me.
0: Well, I think that's probably the majority of maybe younger, uh, younger guys who get on the job, right? That's just, you know, that 18 to early 20 range, you're just gung-ho, you want to get after it. So I could see that kind of being the case. Did, um, and now you're saying, though, like you kind of learned about report writing, right, or, or the community relationships. What kind of led you to realizing that?
1: Well, I'm, uh, he, he made me a resign. He basically probably, anyway, he told me he's just going to let me resign. Like I said, we was always good friends, and he always looked out for me over my career. And basically, like I said, between doing things wrong on the job, like I wasn't violating people's uh, rights or anything like that, but like I said, I was just like heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. And also, like I said, the things outside the job, you know, as far as I was young, as far as females, stuff like that, like you need to get your head together, and then once you come back, you'll probably be a better officer. So I resigned, and then one of the guys I worked with became a chief of police at Payne College Police Department. He created that apartment in like 2013. Uh, he hired me on and then like I said I worked up there at a college Uh, it's not my cup of tea I don't like dealing with you know children and kids and people in that type of of environment because like I say you know I feel like they call those people a lot Uh, you gotta prepare them for the real world but at the same time you don't give them a family record when they just start their life off so I understand the part of it but it was just a growing process for me and a growing process basically for them learning how to interact with people let them know the better decisions they make better things in life would be for them further down the road. So I did that for about a year. Then like say, my chief dad told me to resign, he became the chief of police over basically I catered twelve programs. Basically all the kids in this county that I worked for, he was the head law enforcement officer for them. So he invited me over there to work for them. So I worked with them for about a year and a half. And basically I like said you deal from kids from elementary school to middle school, and high school, just wherever school they put you at. Wow. So it was just a learning process. You learn patience, uh Then you kind of learn to understand the backstory of situations. But like I said, everybody doesn't have the best homes Mm. growing up. And, you know, you coming in there and they're acting up. There's a reason why they're acting up sometimes. You got to understand that. And so it helped me understand that everything's just not what I see in front of me. Sometimes you got to look, you know, ahead and behind you to see what's going on, to fully understand why things are going the way they are. And like I said, that kind of helped me to become the officer I am.
0: Well, and I kind of forgot to ask this too, but what year did you first get in uh, to the police academy?
1: 2011. I
0: started in 2011. Oh, okay. So you're right around the same amount of experience I am. I, I started 2011 as well. So um, I know kind of what you're saying. Even with since 2011 till now, I think policing's changed quite a bit, uh, especially when it comes to building the relationships with the community. And um, yeah, I totally get what you're saying about just slowing down a bit. Uh, not everything is a race. Right? And you got to learn that yeah. to talk to people. Uh, that's probably like, a, so up here, I work with our gang suppression team and uh, informants are a huge part of our job and dealing with informants and being out there on the street and talking to them. Uh, that's all relationship building. And we wouldn't be able to do most of what we do without people talking to us, whether that's informants or the community, like somebody's got to tell you what's going on.
1: Yeah, I say I, I, say I work in archives, so I do informants too. So, yeah, being able to build a positive relationship with people is going to help you out when people uh, trust you and they you know, kind of understand that you're going to do what you say. That's kind of very important. Um, especially, like I tell people, especially when you work in any type of investigation work, you're going to need the community to help you out, whether you're solving property crimes, you know, violent crimes, you narcotics, know, anything like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Most of the time, we're not going to be there for when these incidents happen and you're going to need people to talk to so if you have a good, you know, personality, you can just talk to people, get information from people. Because I know some people, man, they can just talk the shirt off your back while they ask you for it. They're good like that. Mm-hmm. The others, they just don't know how to talk to people. Like I said, they might be good at their job, but they just don't know how to have that relationship with people to get information from them. So it's something I had to learn. Like I've become better over it, so I understand the point. So just be able to talk to people. And one thing I've learned over law enforcement is most time people, when they go through things, they just want. Somebody to listen to them. They want to vent first, mm-hmm. and then listen. But some people like to cut them off. So if you just let them get whatever they need to say out the way, pull them to the side. Like, okay, I understand what you're saying. This is what's going to happen. Most of the time, now most of the time they'll do what you tell them to do, and you can handle the situation accordingly.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're 100 percent right. It, um, so far in your career, has there been anyone that you consider a mentor, or had uh, you know you would kind of note for having a particular influence? on yeah. your career?
1: Yeah, well, I've had a couple, but like I said, the main person right now, he's always been uh influences, my sheriff. Um, like I said, I've been with Ryan most of my career. Like I said, he started me off in the police academy, my first job at Waynesburg police department. Uh, he's just a great man. Like I said, he's done so much in law enforcement, but like I said, he's the one who pushed me to go through these different jobs. He said, go ahead and get your bachelor's degree and master's degree. He said, you don't want to just be in the same spot for 30 years. Mm-hmm. He said, make sure you have options He's always pushed me towards that. And then my other partner they used to work with me named Charles Prescott. He's the chief of police up there in the city called Atlanta. Uh he was just always one of those larger in life presents. Uh, he's about six four. always been about three hundred pounds. Me and him training martial arts together. Uh basically like I say, he was older than me, I was younger, he'll tell me, Hey man, we better get in the car, we're gonna ride, we're gonna do this. Me to be the person I was, I was like, oh, okay. We end up getting the fights, whatever, man. It's what it is, man. We just had a good time working together. And then another guy I met recently, maybe like in 2018, uh, named Dennis Benino. Uh, he runs a company called Street Cop Training. Um, probably one of the best law enforcement companies that I know of. Uh, he does a lot with interdiction work. He helps me with my interview. Basically what happened was when I was on crime suppression team, uh, we used to do a whole bunch of drug cases, and pick up people with warrants, stuff like that. He was one of the people that would watch my videos and critique them. And not in a bad way, but tell me that, man, maybe if you slow down with how you talk, do this and do that you become a little bit better at your job and since talking to him and going through a couple of his classes i made some of my better narcotics cases and drug cases dealing with him so mm-hmm. those three guys are or But i also have many other people like my uh swine instructor or trainer uh, scott usfrey uh he always keeps his top of the line good at his training and then like i said the other people that I work with so there's plenty of people i can call mentors
0: oh that's awesome and do you think um uh... I would imagine most of this stuff especially like the the slowing down and being more patient uh, you got five kids <laughs> that must come into play when you're dealing with five kids
1: oh yeah you gotta have patience uh, think about it I have an older girl she's the older than everybody and four boys and you know how boys are mm. uh, you come home something's gonna be broke every day that's just how they are they're just rough with each other uh, they're gonna fight play one minute and happy with each other the next minute and they're having a pull out ball. so having patience is important uh, because you can't just always be heavy handed with everybody. And that's one thing I learn with kids. Uh, you gotta learn how to basically talk to them, let them know that what they're doing is wrong. But also, you know, just enjoy them in the moment and say, you're not going to get it again. Mm-hmm. So patience is important, but they will try it.
0: Well, so you did a bit of work in the school resource officer area. And how did you find that? And and do you find like the a lot of the current narratives with at least up here, they're doing all these reviews on school resource officers. So whether the program is necessary, whether it creates this, uh, they call it the uh, school to prison pipeline. Um, I've had someone on the program before to talk about this uh, from here locally, but just kind of wondering uh perspective from down in Georgia, uh, you know, what do you think about the school resource officer program? What's your experience with it? And, um, where do you see it kind of going?
1: Well, um, just for me working in and for being around schools, I know it's needed. Um, it's just very important. Like I say, a lot of times these kids, you know, some of them just don't have respect for anybody, and you can't expect a teacher to do what they need to do as far as teaching class and handle a student as being destructive, or disruptive, and trying to fight people and you know, like that. That's where the law enforcement part comes into it. Uh, it's going to be necessary. Like I say, man, you see all these different situations that come up around the United States as far as people getting shot on campuses. And I'm not going to say they're going to be able to prevent everything, but they can stop a lot of that. Mm-hmm. I believe that police presence and many times make people second guess to the options they're about to do. Like if you're planning on coming to a school and trying to fight a person and you don't go to that school and you see like three or four police cars in front of the uh, of the school, you're probably going to think twice. You're probably trying to find another means to find that person instead of going on that campus and trying to fight them. So I'm a big believer in it. I know it's important. I know we got to keep having it. Like I said, man, you know, just like the world's not getting any better, schools aren't getting any better either. Mm. Like I said, we still have good kids, but you don't want them to be influenced by those bad kids that keep making disruptions, stopping class, uh, and all those things like that. So we just got to make sure that we keep them there. And, you know, in some of the places that where I work at or the places that you know I live in, so like that they want to add more law enforcement presence to the schools just to keep down on the disruptions and hopes that the presence of law enforcement would deter people from acting up inside the schools.
0: Well, I think to a lot of people, their first interaction with a police officer is either uh, if it's not at the school, they're, you know, getting a ticket or whatever it might be. So sometimes it's not always the most positive, but also in today's world with all the social media uh, and that's where most people get their news now, just some of the videos out there, it's usually a video of a cop, you know, throwing too many punches at somebody or uh, just doing something stupid. So, You know, maybe that's the impression a lot of the the youth get. And to have somebody in the school that is like a a positive figure from a policing perspective, I think it'd go a long way to kind of dispelling, you know, rumors or certain narratives. So, you know, if you have someone like yourself in there and you can uh, talk about, you know, your experiences and where you came from and where you you, you grew up, I think that's uh, a very important part, especially to get to youth early. Um, because a lot of the stuff, a lot of their mindset kind of gets set and not that it can't change, but, uh, it's definitely harder once you've started to establish some sort of values and, and, and morals and stuff as you've gone through your life. So I think it's definitely, uh, a, a, an interesting program and there's things that could always be improved, but, uh, yeah, I think, uh, it, it's, it's definitely a valuable resource.
1: Yeah, and, and that's one thing you know. People come up to, especially like law enforcement officers that work in the school system. They always tell some of those officers, especially ones that they're close with, that you know they kept them from going down the wrong path. Because many times, you know, like especially kids that have anger problems or issues, you're gonna deal with that law enforcement officer at the school more than anybody. And if you're able to build a rapport with that kid and keep him on the right track, they'll remember that once they get older and understand, like, well, okay, I might have went down the wrong path if it wasn't for this person because they kept steering me into the best direction that I need to go. So that's why I believe in having law enforcement inside of school, having the school resource officers, like I say, especially ones that care about the kids. Like I say, they can be really vital in helping kids go in the path that they need to go to.
0: Um. So one of the things I wanted to ask was, and this is just more of like a definitions, but so you, you've been a deputy. Is deputy the the first rank when you first come out of the academy?
1: Yeah, well, basically, like I say, if you go to a police department, you're going to be considered a police officer. When you go to a sheriff's office, which is a county organization, it would be a deputy.
0: Okay. And I imagine you have a few ranks in between. Like, I, you know, you watch movies or something, and all you ever see is deputy and sheriff. So mm-hmm. I imagine there's got to be something in between now.
1: Yeah, well, the way it works for our agency and most agencies, you go from a deputy, if you get promoted from a deputy, some places will have what we call a master deputy. Take somebody that, you know, has most of the classes they need to have. Been working for a certain amount of time, but the next actual rank would be corporal. At the corporal, you'd be a sergeant. At the sergeant, we have a lieutenant, captain, major. If you have a colonel, colonel, then a deputy chief, and then a sheriff.
0: Wow, that's quite the mix of ranks. And it's uh, our service. You go from constable to sergeant. But if you go to the our, our national police service, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, you're a constable, then a corporal, then a sergeant. So. I just never understood the logic of how they come up with the names and where they kind of fit in. Um, so, with that, so you worked in special operations, uh, you're a special operations deputy. You've also been in the field uh, operations division. What's the difference between those two areas?
1: Well, field operations is basically your patrol officer. Uh, basically, you get your calls of service. Uh, your domestics, your traffic accidents, if they do happen, you can respond to them. That's what you handle. Mm-hmm. Uh, service. So, Operation Deputy is what we do is basically proactive like policing. Uh, we're the ones out there that was going to do the traffic stops. We uh, were looking for drugs, people that was wanted, looking for guns, all that stuff like that. We're asked to calls if they needed us to, but besides that, we're out there doing traffic stops, walking through neighborhoods, trying to deter crime. So, basically, we're just having a neighborhood that was having a whole bunch of car break ins or things like that at nighttime. To switch our schedule at nighttime. we'll be out there working try to catch those people. So I feel like I did my best work when I was on the crime suppression team, which is our special operations division. Mm-hmm. And basically, like I said, it's just an aggressive patrol division. That's all it is. Like I say, you're out there stopping people, trying to find the people that's wanted, just make sure they, have, if they don't have drugs, they don't have firearms, or they do anything, type of illegal activity. That's what we're looking for.
0: Uh, how, can you kind of walk us through just maybe uh, the path of your career since you've been with Burke County? and just maybe how many years you've done in each of the the areas?
1: Okay. Well, yeah, I, I started off my own road patrol as just a regular deputy. Uh, I did that for 11 months. And basically, after when we came down there, we all came down there with a sheriff. They brought a team called Crime Suppression Team. And basically, like I said, they were just the top team of the uh, agency. Uh, they're an aggressive patrol unit. Uh, they made most of the arrests. Uh, most of the car trips and stuff happened because of them, they were just that type of unit. Uh, I knew I wanted to go to a unit like that. So basically what I did On my days off, when I was working, I could cut away. I wasn't too busy. I'll go around with them, become students of them, learn how they did things. Uh, Eventually, I was asked to come over to the team in November of that year. Uh, I was on crime suppression for about two years to 2019. the end of 2019. Uh, I made several good cases over there. We had a good team. We were just all class A, uh, type A personalities over there. So we all had the eagerness to want to work and try hard and make good cases. Uh, after that, my sheriff uh, told me, he was like, okay, well, you done road patrol, you done the specialized division, you need to uh, get some supervision you know, under your belt. Uh, at that time, I had just finished up my bachelor's degree. I was going to get my master's, and he said, you need to have both of these so you can progress a little bit further. Uh, so I applied for the sergeant, and I got the sergeant job at the night shift. Uh, I enjoyed working night shift. I did that for about a year. I tell people I prefer working night shift over days. It's just something I like doing. I really don't like being around with all the brasses there. <laughs> just my cup of tea. I say it was this. You know, some people like that. No, I don't like doing all the bank runs and all that stuff. So, like I say, you're gonna have more fun at nighttime DR a day. Yeah. It's just in my eyes. Yeah. But uh yeah, it was good it was a good good thing for me. I like I said, I had some younger functions over there that I helped, you know, try to lead them to the best path. Uh we had fun. Uh we grew up all together basically learning the ins and outs of law enforcement. Uh, teaching people how to become law enforcement officers is a little bit different than just working it out yourself because you take what they're going through and you feel how they're going to have their career. You try to guide them towards the right way. So it was different for me. Uh, I had to slow down what I was normally used to doing, like doing my traffic stops, and explaining to them how to do traffic stops or how to handle calls and why she gonna do it instead of me being hands-on and doing it myself. So it was a learning experience. Uh, after I got finished with that, um, like they and me and my sheriff We talked a lot He was like okay well You should try to get Some investigation experience I was still having fun On the night shift But he was like You should just try it out See what you get So we had a couple Of narcotics spots Come open. Uh I Applied for that Got a job over there At narcotics As a sergeant uh, And I've been over there Ever since So that's been about Two years I've been Over there at narcotics It's a little different But like I say The narcotics game Is real crazy
2: mm-hmm.
1: You will start off With basically Like a gram of meth And it could take you Up to a couple of Kilos of meth Depend on how you work it. So it's real crazy to see all the people that's involved, in it, how much money's involved, the violence, all kind of things going to uh to the drug game. And like I tell people, we're never going to stop it. It's a billion dollar industry. It's going to keep going. But if we can stop a few people from overdosing or from getting hurt because of drugs, I feel like we're done our job.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's definitely it's a, a massive beast to try and contain or mitigate. Um. One of the things uh, you kind of mentioned just about managing people, I was wondering uh, when you were talking about that, what's the training like for you? So on a day-to-day, do you guys, uh, maybe more so on the patrol side of things, but do you get lots of training days in a year?
1: Well, uh, instead in of Georgia, in law enforcement, you're required to get 20 training hours. Uh, basically, so you gotta get your firearms, uh, use of force, uh, deadly force, and all that stuff out the way. But Uh, For our agency, our sheriff makes sure that we have at least 60 hours. And then, like I said, we have other classes that we can go to if we sign up to it. Uh, He's always been big on training. Mm -hmm. He said you need to have basically all this training just to become better at your job so you become a servant leadership type of thing. So it's very important to him. Uh, I believe in training. Like I said, I just got my uh, training instructor, my general training instructor last year, so I believe in training. I understand how much it helps people when you have them trained up the right way. They do know how to handle situations. They don't have to keep calling people to figure out how to do things. So I believe in the importance of it. But basically, like I said, we'll have a 60 hours of training. Uh, you'll have throughout the year. Uh, basically, like I said, you'll get some report writing. You'll get up as far as driving your vehicle, firearms. Uh, if you want to go to supervision classes, you can sign up for management classes. If you want to go to DUI route as far as going to traffic units, you can do that as far as on scene crashes and stuff like that. You you can go to narcotics classes. Uh, Recently, I just came back from a shield class because like I said I learned the shield on SWAT team, so that was a good class for me. So basically, I say whichever career path you're choosing to you go into, they can send you to these different classes that can help you get closer to it. So that's how training goes basically
0: for the state of Georgia and our agency. Uh, and uh, now that you mentioned SWAT. Uh, we talked a little bit offline about you being in the SWAT team. Can, can you kind of explain how it works down there? because you are saying it was a bit uh, part-time, so you do your full-time job, and then when you get called out, you go. But um, can you explain a bit about what it's like doing that side of the house?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, well, basically, like I said, on the SWAT team, uh, it's about 17 to 18 people on a SWAT team. We have everybody from uh, law enforcement officers to medics on the team that's uh, part of it. But basically, like I said, we're just a part-time SWAT team, so we all have different jobs between investigations, being lieutenant captains, working on road patrol. And basically, if we're activated, we basically drop everything that we got going on. We'll head to that call. We'll deal with that call. And as it's finished, we'll go back to our regular job. But uh, we train once a month, uh, mostly shooting, working on clearing houses and things like that. And um, basically, like I said, to be on the SWAT team, you got different qualifications you got to do. Uh, as I told you before, I'm a pretty big boy. I never like running. But to be on the SWAT team, you have to run a mile in under nine minutes, do push-ups, sit-ups, do pull-ups, uh, bench press, like eighty-five percent of your body weight, mm-hmm. uh, you have to run three hundred meter sprint, get back online, and lift a minute. And then you have to qualify. You know, get your heart rate together and qualify with your uh, handgun. And then during the course of SWAT, like I say, you're going to qualify almost every month on your firearms just to make sure you're proficient. Uh, learn how to clear rooms. Uh, you work on your negotiation skills, the different uh, tools that you use in law enforcement, such as you know the. Um, Rams and all that stuff. We have what we call an AMRAP vehicle, um hostage rescues and different things like that. So then you have people that's on the team that's snipers and like medics and different things like that. So all that's part of it. And basically what happened is we'll just all come together, we have a call, figure out what we're gonna do, and then we disperse into our different jobs.
0: Well, and you kinda of made mention of what I was actually gonna get into next, but just kind of on the the militarization of police. Is that a big narrative down there? Do you guys kinda of hear the the? I see the complaints about that.
1: Well, you're hear one or two people complain. Like I say, you know, an MRAP is a big vehicle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's heavy duty, it's about 60 tons. Uh, They're like, why do you need something like that? And there's only a couple people that say that, but, you know, when you start seeing people getting shot at, and we got to rescue people with a vehicle, or we got to go into these uh, terrains that we can't maneuver with our vehicle, they understand the reason why. And most time, at most agencies, we don't pay for stuff like that, like I say, you'll get it donated or do different grants and uh mm-hmm. things like that. So they think that most time the county's forking the bill for stuff like that and which they're not, most time like said, so you'll get a grant and they'll get it donated to the agency and we just use it for our SWAT team. Mm-hmm. So we don't have that kind of complaint. You hear like a couple of people just say it, you know, they get all this money but you don't need it. Like I say, I tell people all the time about SWAT, you don't appreciate it or you don't need it until you actually need it. Like I say, when they're out there every day kind of SWAT calls, but when you have somebody go down or you got somebody that holds somebody hostage or something like that and we had to go out there and take care of business, then you understand the importance of it.
0: Yeah, and you know what? Uh, some of the stuff that I, uh, I think the police are lacking, or at least up here anyways, I don't know about down there, but we don't do a good job of saying what you exactly just said. I mean, people don't realize, like, uh, you know, you need an armored car because if you take a regular police car, you take a simple two, two, three round. uh, that's going right through that car, unless you're behind the engine block, but like a car is not, not going to be real cover for you, but, um, you know, maybe get some people out and showing them these actual things, whether it's media or politicians, whoever's saying these, the the narratives, um, you know, show them like, this is why we have this equipment. This is why we use it. Um, especially when, you know, a lot of the stuff is developed by the military, and then we kind of take from that, you know, what's useful. It's like they have the budgets to test all this out. They have the practical experience, whether it's in like theater of war or just on the day to day. The other thing, too, I thought was kind of funny about the militarization idea was um, at least for the Canadian Army, that they don't have, you know, as much experience in combat as the American Army. A lot of our stuff is. Humanitarian work and helping out when there's floods yeah. or natural disasters. So it's like, you know, the military is not really this, we're not out there, uh, they're not out there just killing people. It's, uh, they actually do a lot of good work and community work. So just thought that's not even really a great thing to kind of complain about.
1: Yeah. And that's how it kind of is. Like we say, we have a National Guard, like when floods and stuff happen like that. Or, like, say, law enforcement officers are just overwhelmed with work and stuff like that, and we can't handle the situation that's going on. They'll deploy what we call the National Guard, and they'll help out as far as that part. But even, like, with the big vehicles that we use, we use those for, like, if natural disasters happen, we need to go rescue people on top of rooftops or if it's flooding an area. Those vehicles can go down those areas, and we can help rescue them. Like I say, it's not all about the action part of the SWAT team. Like I say, we do, like, like say, uh, hostage rescues, if something goes on, like somebody's house is getting burnt down, we need to go inside and get them. Or, like say, floods and natural disasters, trees down. Like say, when trees get cut down, we have a hurricane come through or tornado. They'll call us in. We will get chainsaws. We'll take those big armored vehicles that we do have. We'll go out there and cut down trees and stuff like that. So it's just not the part of being, like say, militarization part. Like say, we use it for all aspects of law enforcement to help the community.
0: Yeah. Well, and so in your current spot with. Um Narcotics. Can you talk about some of the the trends you might be seeing? And do you on that, do you also work a lot with gang members? Uh, in the sense that, you know, you're you're running informants and in, in, out there in the community, or are you are you guys mostly like a surveillance based team and you're not necessarily out there on foot?
1: Well uh the way it kind of works here in narcotics uh, is basically like say. You could depend on road patrol or when we had a crime special scene, they'd give us informants, like people that want to work off different things. But uh, basically why we work is if we need to go outside in the community to do things, we'll go outside, up a couple cars, uh, talk to people, see what they got going on, we get a complaint, what it like that. But uh, one of the guys that works in our college with us is also a gang investigator. And they kind of go hand-to-hand because drugs and gangs go hand-to-hand. That's how mm-hmm. a lot of the gangs make money and um, keep the power... They use it through drugs, stuff like that. So it's one of the things that goes hand-in-hand. But a lot of our job is doing intel work, uh, doing surveillance. Uh, social media is always going to be uh, very useful to us because, you know, people want to put everything on social media. But those are things that helps us doing our job of, you know, dealing with narcotics. But sometimes, you know, we have an open tip line. They'll give us a call about a house, like this house is doing this and that. What we'll do, we'll go out there, you know, figure out what's going on, see what we got going on, see we can get some stuff going as far as an informant, couple of travel stops if need be, build it up to a case, and then we need to do a search warrant at the residence, we'll do that. And then, like I said, if it's too big for us, we'll do what we can on our level, and then, like I said, we have a partnership with the DEA, and if they need to take over the case, we'll have our part and just pass it over to them, and then they can take it a little bit further if they need to.
0: Okay. Uh, do you guys interact a lot with you know the the state level or FBI or any other agencies?
1: Yeah, actually, uh, two of our guys that work over narcotics are with the DEA, which is basically like the federal agency for uh, drugs. Uh, Basically, they're they're the big narcotics investigation unit for the federal side. And basically, like I say, if we have something that's going on outside of our jurisdiction or there's just a little bit too much for what we can do on our uh, local level, we'll ask them for the help and they'll help us with the case over there, take over the case and just incorporate us with it.
0: Do you have any uh, plans to ever go over there? Go like uh, to a different agency?
1: Well, yeah, my sheriff always told me, he said, man, you got these two degrees, you got the experience. He said, you know, try to go state or federal. Uh, as far as federal, like I say, I don't know how y'all are with uh, PT and all that stuff for like FBI, DEA, uh, ATF and all that stuff. They have, uh, basically you got to run and do push and all that stuff. I'm not really worried about pushing the sit but they want you to run a mile and a half in like twelve minutes and thirty seconds. Mm. For me, I don't know how you are as far as running. For me, that's as almost spreading uh, six laps, so that's a little rough. It's just something I'm working on. But yes, I, I do have uh, uh, aspirations to become a federal agent one day, or well, even a state uh, agent in uh, one of these agencies. Just working on it right now. But yeah, it, it's, it's one of the things that he pushes us towards. He said, you know try to spread your wings, move around, look at different things. Like I say, policing in Georgia is going to be different than policing in Los Angeles and New York and different things like that. And you say you need to get outside of what you're used to and figure out, you know, how other people do things, you know, open your eyes up a little bit. So that's one thing I'm looking forward to in the
0: future. Yeah, I'm definitely not benching what you're benching. I'm 185 pounds and I've pretty much been that my whole life. Uh, I don't fluctuate much. So I'm 185. I can run. Uh, I'm definitely not benching four plates.
1: <laughs> yeah, see, and, and that's one thing that's really like, because you just never know when you're going to have to run to somebody, but they're real big on your cardio, especially for our federal agencies, but so they want you to be able to run, like say, because when you go through the academy, you're going to be running miles and stuff. And like I said, I'm just not one of those people that, you know, people tell you about runners high. I never had that before. Mm. You know, I've run a couple of miles before, but I just don't enjoy running. Like it's it's a chore for me to do it. but I know it needs to be done, so I do it. But like for those agencies, you have to run, like say, basically you got to do six laps at a two minute pace, which for me, a two minute pace is really, really fast.
0: What, uh, like a, a, a basic federal agent, what are they running after? I never pictured, I just pictured them writing a lot of search warrants. Like I didn't know they would need to run a lot.
1: So it, it just depends. Uh, because a lot of them have like basically they have their own SWAT teams within the agency. Mm. So if you're on those type of divisions or if you like working games and stuff like that, a lot of times you, you're you going to be out there in the field handling situations. So just in case somebody takes off running, I guess that's why they want you to. But I don't think they do it like once you leave the academy, I don't think you have to do that like yearly. But it's just something like through the academy. They want to basically instill in you that you have physical fitness.
0: Oh, interesting. Um, uh-huh. One thing I wanted to get to too was uh, just talking a bit about uh, family life, if you can, because um, you're married, and you got five kids. So how do you balance all of that with uh, you know doing work, and then obviously you're you're maybe looking at a different uh, placement for career wise. So what's it like balancing everything?
1: Uh, it can be a good chore, but you just got to make sure you have a good uh, organization of time. Uh, that's why I tell people time management is good. Make sure you. You know, carve out time for your family because at the end of the day, they're going to be there when the job is gone. So just make sure you keep that in mind. And that's one of the things that, you know, as law enforcement officers, we face, we become the job. Like that becomes our identity and we can't let that happen. You got to have something outside of it. Mm-hmm. But just make sure you spend time with your family. Uh, help them with homework. You know, if you're going to cook, cook dinner with them, watch TV, do whatever you do with them, until, like I say, you don't want to neglect them. So basically, I like, said, when well, I can get off work, if it's not nothing real pressing, you can wait till tomorrow. I let it wait till tomorrow, play with the kids, talk to the wife, just do what I need to do as a father, you know, as part of the family, make sure that they know that I still love them and I want to spend time with them because you don't want to neglect them because that's when things can go away. So, I mean, it's it's hard. It's not like the easiest thing to do, but it's just, you know, especially working in like a narcotics, you work in the game division, you know, you can be asleep at, one or two o'clock in the morning you get a call you got to get up because you got something hot coming in so Mm -hmm. you have those situations but you got to make sure when you set out time for them that you take it and you know take vacations and take your time off and make sure you spend it with them and let them know that you know you care about them and then you also got to explain your job to them sometimes like okay well you know most time i'm here but right now i have to leave like this is why i have to leave and explain to them the reason why you're leaving and then, you know, just tell me, you know, I'll make it up to you when I can. So it's it's, it's one of those catch 22s. You just something that you got to work on as the boss balancing home life and work
0: life. Have you ever uh, come across like one of the kids come home and they are kind of saying things that they're hearing on TV, whether they believe it or not? But have you ever had those challenges?
1: No, well, they're actually about different situations that goes on basically locally. Like if somebody gets shot or. Fight break out at school and stuff, and somebody gets arrested, what happens to them? But as far as some of the other stuff, they don't really bother us about it or ask us about it because I guess they haven't been exposed to it. But like I told them, if they have any questions about law enforcement that I can answer, I'll gladly answer them to them. But uh, they just haven't experienced too much of that because uh, the three youngest are 11, eight, and uh, six, so they haven't really experienced too much of that. But like I say, you just never know,
0: yeah. Well, um just kind of talking, maybe here about the future. Uh, so you're looking at maybe a different kind of career path. But what do you kind of envision for yourself uh, on the career side of things uh, going forward?
1: Well, uh, I would like to either become a state or federal agent, but if I could, you know, become like a you know supervisor of a specialized division where I still can work. Because one of my biggest thing is, you know, I you know I can do both sides, the paperwork side, and still work. I want to get a job. I'm just all paperwork and just behind the desk all day and all that. But I'm still a hands-on type of person. I like the action. then Additionally, I want to become an adjunct instructor. I enjoy teaching. Uh, I've had some great teachers in my life, and they helped push me to where I'm at. So I would like to become one of those instructors. Uh, but like I say, with well, a lot of colleges, they're going to online stuff. I just feel like I'll serve better in person just so I can relate to people, mm-hmm. look them in the eye so they can feel where I'm coming from. So that's one thing I'm looking forward to in the near future uh, as far as law enforcement and as far as instructing.
0: What do you think you would teach?
1: Oh, criminal justice. Okay, uh Basically, criminal justice classes. Uh, I thought about going back to school to get another master's, but I'd say criminal justice has always been my passion. Uh, teaching people about law enforcement and how it works and all the different other things inside the criminal justice system as far as, like, say, you know, the court system, the correction system. Like, uh, I've never been a correction officer, I've heard the stories of how it is and I applaud those people that work in, you know, prisons and jails. They have it pretty rough. I know it's rough inside those jails and stuff. So I applaud them but just teaching people about different aspects of law enforcement. Because many people just think, you know, law enforcement is just a police officer that can see uh, stopping cars and things like that. But, by about law enforcement, you have so many different things that you could do. You can go to a gang unit, you can go to a narcotics unit, you can do homicides, you can do violent crimes, property crimes, mm-hmm. different things like that, admin, community service. A lot of people don't understand that. They think everybody just does one job. I say that's what's so good about law enforcement. You can go to many different aspects of it. Like I said, if you want to do traffic, you become that traffic officer. If you want to stay on patrol, you can do that too. You can work in the school. So there's a lot of different things you could do with the side to law enforcement uh, agencies
0: or community. So it sounds like even with you know all the stuff you see in the news, and granted the news is generally is just drama and bad stuff going on. But it uh, sounds like generally you would recommend to people to go be a police officer. If somebody asked you, would you do it again, or or should I look into this? What would you kind of say?
1: Yeah, I encourage people to yeah uh, become a law enforcement officer. I say it's, it's been a great experience. You're gonna have your highs and lows with any uh, career. Like I said, man, just the uh, the bond and camaraderie that you have with your peers is some of the best parts of it. Uh, you're going to see some crazy stuff. You're going to see some stuff that's going to mess with you. But uh, like I tell everybody, especially people in law enforcement, you got to have people you got to talk to, uh, especially what's going on. Because, you know, a law enforcement officer, you know, you have this tough image and you want to portray that. And a lot of times we tend to hold things in, and that could become a problem. And that's the kind of issues that we have in these different agencies across America. You know, a lot of officers are committing suicide. Because they're basically holding all the stuff in. They have problems at home and problems at work. And you go into vehicle wrecks and little kids get killed. Mm-hmm. It kind of does something to your head. So you got to make sure you talk to people. But I would always recommend law enforcement to people. There's so many different things you can do. So many things that you can work with and different people. And I say it's basically a job for anybody if they want to do it. Like I said, you could be a tactical medic. You could do all that stuff within law enforcement. So I'm always going to push it on people. I mean, like I tell people, it's not everybody's cup of tea. I say if you don't like it, that's fine, but I know how it's helped me and how I enjoy it and I'm always gonna be a big, you know, representative of it, but I believe in it.
0: Yeah, and I'd say that's probably the biggest thing for me is the camaraderie and just um having those shared experiences with a lot of people and just how it it's it's transferable even across borders. Like I, you know, I got a hold of you through LinkedIn mm-hmm. and then um just a lot of the stuff I see that you're putting out there, I was like, Man, that's The exact same thing that's going on up here, where we think uh, very similarly. Uh, We have the same experiences. So I thought, you know, why not have this person on? Like, probably got a good story to tell. It's always interesting to learn about people, where they came from. Um, But yeah, I just, it's one of those jobs that uh, you can make friends basically worldwide. And no matter where you're from, you always have something you could talk about and uh, you, you make some good, good friends out of this job.
1: Yeah, because I mean, we experience a lot of things, you know, you go through the calls that, you know, people get on your nerves or the people make you laugh. Or you're in those situations where you can't laugh but something fun is going on because your partners make fun of somebody. I said we all go through that and that's just part of law enforcement, but that's what makes the job the job. And uh it's the part of it that makes you keep coming back to it. Like I said, I met some of my best friends through law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Uh some of the best memories I have is with law enforcement. So that's why I tell people about it. You're gonna have those days when you're gonna be like, Man, forget this. It's just some of the days where you're just running 16, 17 hours going from one college to the next dealing with this crazy person, this other person and all that stuff. But dealing with people that you like, having fun with makes it all worth it. So, that's why I tell people, man, you know, if you don't have anything else to do, if you want a good job, that's going to help you help people and basically help yourself it's going to make you become a better person. I would say try law enforcement.
0: Awesome. Well, I say to keep you just around an hour, we're pretty much there. Uh, Is there anything you think we didn't cover or we should have got to that we didn't?
1: No, we covered a variety of things. I think we covered a lot. Uh
0: last thing, how should people follow you or connect with you?
1: Uh well I said mostly I use is LinkedIn. I say if you want to get on there, uh add me. Like I said, I talk to anybody. Uh basically like I said, I put out a lot of different content for law enforcement and basically for everybody else because, you know, As far as law enforcement, that's what I do. But like I said, I want to help others, you know, get to the spot that they want to go to. So if you need to reach me or anything, just reach to me at LinkedIn. and It'll be my name, Eric McCamp. Mm
0: -hmm. uh, When I put the episode up, I'll put a link in there as well to your profile just so uh, people can find you. So, um, yeah, well, we'll end it there. Uh, If you could just hang on the line for a minute. I'm just going to stop the recording.
2: Sounds good.